everyone. So this episode is a special of all of your questions. As you might have noticed, I answer a listener question each episode. And so this episode is a selection of these questions. I'll answer what I do when I book a medium reading so I know they're not cheating. Have I gotten any signs from my dad? What is it like being friends with psychic mediums? Is it awkward because do they just know all my secrets and everything I'm thinking? And more. And so here's the episode with some of your questions. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. just happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a science skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? This week's listener question was submitted by Lauren G. She asked, what is one book that changed your mind the most about afterlife evidence? That is really hard to say one book. For me, it was really an accumulation of everything and just so much phenomena, so much data, so much evidence, and so many intelligent, logical-minded, scientific people writing books on everything from NDEs to data on mediumship readings. In one sense, I might say the two books by Dr. Jim Tucker, but that was only because they were the first books I found. So I really can't recommend one over all of the others. This week's question is from Amy R. Hi, Amy. 
thanks for reaching out. And Amy wants to know, are there any special tips I have when booking a medium reading? I have written about this some on my website, and this is a popular question, so I will definitely be addressing this more in the future. Okay, Amy, I have a lot. So I'll stick with a main one, which I say is use a fake name, hide your identity, have a friend pay with their credit card or PayPal, and just pay them back. Most of the mediums I've encountered are honest, although not all. But if you don't hide your identity, I think you'll just always wonder. The good ones won't be offended if they find out you did that. They'll appreciate that you were really thorough and careful and give them a chance to prove that they really are getting valid information. So good luck, Amy. Reach out. Let us know how your reading goes. For this week's question, Emma asks... Have you ever had any experiences before studying all of this that you look back on and see differently? Um, I think there's a lot of experiences I feel that about. One really interesting experience, I don't know if I think differently about it now, but I just kind of tucked it away and dismissed it, was I had Reiki once when I was a teenager I didn't even know what it was. I was away at a spa with my mom. I looked at the list of services and I just had never heard of it. So I asked what it was. And for anyone who doesn't know, Reiki is a type of energy healing. You can Google more about it, but essentially it's where like an energy healer or Reiki master is there officially called which sounds a little intense, but that's, I think, what they're officially called, are Reiki healers. They don't actually touch you, and they use energy to heal or to rejuvenate. And I just thought, wow, that kind of sounds like bullshit, but this is just what would be called a quote-unquote normal spa. All the other treatments were like massage, facial, we were there a few days, so I had done some of those already, and I was just curious. So what happened was this woman held her hands, I guess, like an inch from you, which is what they do, and my eyes were closed. I was lying down on the massage table, and I started to feel all this heat going through wherever she was going over. They start at your head and work their way down to your feet. And as she worked over each area, I felt this sort of like very soothing healing, feeling heat build up and it stayed. And then she went over to my right knee as she worked her way down. And my right knee had been hurting me a little, nothing significant. I wasn't even paying attention, just had been feeling almost like a mild pulled muscle for probably a while. And I suddenly felt this severe pain shoot through my right knee like build up and then just shoot out of it. And then my knee felt completely better. And when we were done, she said, oh, I fixed your right knee. There was an energy block there and I released it. And I honestly didn't know what to make of that. And my right knee was better and didn't hurt again. This week's question comes from Tara M. If psychics and mediums are genuine, why do they charge for their gifts? I thought genuine ones offered their gifts for free. 
Hey, Tara, thanks for that question. You know, a lot of people wonder that. I kind of thought that in the beginning, too. And, you know, it'd be really nice if they could just give readings for free. It'd be nice if all really needed services could be for free, such as medical care. If you're in the United States, it certainly is not. Education, unfortunately, often isn't. Well, at least higher education. And mental health therapy, not for free. Mediums just have to make money. They don't have a choice. How else are they going to survive or support their families? And mediums that have other jobs tend to not be as good. Again, that doesn't apply to everybody, but it's a skill just like any other skill. And they need to really hone it and work on it and work on it daily. So if they're not being paid, they really can only treat it as a hobby and can only apply a certain amount of time to it. But if they're paid, they can work on their mediumship full time. And most tend to give much better readings when they can focus on it as their main career, just like all of us with our own careers. So this week, Ella T asked, is it true that we actually pick our parents? And if so, why do some people pick not so nice or abusive parents? Okay, this is a two-part question and it's pretty complicated. So for the first part, I can't answer that for sure. I know Dr. Jim Tucker, who I've talked about, who studies cases of kids with past life memories, has looked a little bit into between lives, and there are a few children who said they picked their parents. I don't remember the exact details. A few have mentioned how they have picked their parents. And what's really interesting is they've also given evidential details, such as this trip their parents were on, I believe in Hawaii, and they gave details of that, that the kid could not have known. And this was the week and vacation where the kid was conceived. Uh, no, they did not give details that none of us would want to see related to our parents, but they did give evidential details about Hawaii and where their parents were and said they chose their parents. Now, why would someone pick abusive parents? I can't begin to answer that with any validity. I know mediums who also have said that we choose our parents said that often it's we come here to learn life lessons, maybe to teach our parents if they're abusive, maybe they came here to overcome that and they failed. I mean, I really can't give any answer to that that I would consider valid or worthy. That's just the information I've heard. And I mean, who knows? I just, if you've had abusive parents, anyone, that's just really shitty. And I can't say there's a good reason. In this week's question, Sydney T wants to know, Hey Liz, do you ever get any amazing signs 
from your dad or for any of your loved ones? Hey, Sydney. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I actually have gotten some really, like, kind of mind-blowing what is going on signs. Even early on when I didn't believe any of this could be true, I did have to kind of consider a few of them. And since then, I've gotten more and more. I mentioned a couple amazing ones in my book. I discuss another one that happened a little later in episodes one and two with Joe Peretta. So I'll tell you one of these ones here. So this one is in my book, but early on, I was walking through Central Park and I'm a New Yorker. I don't walk slow. I don't know why I went into almost this meditative, dreamy state. And I started walking really slowly and kind of moseying, which, as I said, I don't do. And I was passing this little boat pond in New York, in Central Park, and they it's not big enough that it could ever have real boats, but they now and then you'll see a model toy boat in it. And there was this one little boat, and I don't know why I've passed this boat pond a million times. I grew up in the city. I used to play by the boat pond when I was little. And I see this boat, and I just kind of daydreamily mosey over to it. And I look, and this is probably the one time in my life. I don't know, maybe when I was three or four playing there, but probably only time in my life since I was like six years old that I went and stopped and looked at one of the little toy boats in it or model boats. And they almost never even have model boats in it anymore. But I went and looked and it had my dad's name on it. Mike asks, so I saw on Instagram that you said you bent a spoon. Did you? What was that like? Yes, I did. It was really kind of this amazing bizarre experience. It was pretty early in my research when I kind of thought none of this was possible. And one interesting aspect about it was that the night before I went to the event where I bent a spoon, I had been reading all of my materials for Lloyd Arbach's class on psychic abilities at the Rhine. And one of the things I'd read about was spoon bending, which I'd always assumed was nonsense. But here's Lloyd Arbach. He's a parapsychologist. I have talked about him in other episodes, and I've interviewed him in other podcast episodes as well. And I had this thought of, okay, if spoon bending actually was real, and I experienced it, I would believe all this. I mean, of course, it ended up not being that simple, but it was another bit of evidence. So I noted to myself to find a place where I could do spoon bending. And so the next day, I already had plans to go to one of the mediums, Laura Lynn Jackson, who is certified by Forever Family in Winbridge, to go to one of her workshops. And I barely knew her at this point. And suddenly in the middle of her workshop, she said, we're going to be doing spoon bending. I was like, okay, that's kind of coincidental and kind of interesting. I'll consider the fact that I was just thinking about that last night. 
And so she passed out all these spoons and I was with my friend and he's like pretty large, physically strong guy. He's a lot stronger than me. And we got our spoons and I remember I tried to bend it normally with my hands. He tried to bend his people around the group, you know, none of them bending. And then Laura said to take a deep breath, focus, and everyone say bend. And I looked over, you know, I kind of tried to bend mine and nothing happened again. And I looked over and I saw a few people's spoons, like normal metal spoons, just getting balled up and rolled with their hands. And I was like, what the fuck? I was shocked. I suddenly felt my spoon in my hand get really, really hot. Not where it burned, where not where it hurt, I should say, but it was incredibly hot. And then it just felt like really like a very soft material. And I just bent the head of it over with no effort. And then suddenly it cooled off and felt like a completely normal spoon again. And the reason I'd also mentioned my friend who's physically much stronger than me, he was unable to bend his spoon. So I just, that was really weird. And in Lloyd Arbach's book, one of his books, Mind Over Matter, he said that people who had bent spoons with their mind or metal, you know, I don't know if they only used spoons, but they took spoons that people had bent with energy, mind, and then they took metal that they got very strong, like weightlifter people to bend metal objects. And they sent these metal objects to a metallurgist. One's both bent by strength and one's bent by energy. And the metallurgist, you know, used whatever equipment it was to examine them. And apparently the grain boundaries of the metals showed up differently in those that bent the metals with their energy versus their strength. The ones with the strength grain boundaries were ripped and broken, exactly expected in a bent metal. In the ones bent with energy, they looked like they were elongated and stretched over and they had not broken. So that was my experience with spoon bending. There's kind of a part two, which I'll answer in another episode. Anne asks, how does it make any sense that consciousness could be created without a brain? You know what, Anne? It doesn't make any sense. I can't really wrap my mind around it either. But also, there's this kind of false belief that consciousness created by a brain makes complete sense, while consciousness downloaded by a brain makes no sense. And I don't really agree with that. The more I think about it, how could this brain that's created just by material cells mass, matter, neurons? How could this material brain just poof, create consciousness and complicated consciousness, identity, deep emotions, thoughts, you know, not just amoebas that are trying to survive. And I mean, our brains are material mass and matter. How do they create consciousness? That makes no more sense logically than the concept that these brains can be downloading our consciousness. Consciousness just doesn't really make sense. And to think that theory 
that it's created by a brain is so much more logical than downloaded by your brain. I have come to think that isn't really true, that that's the most logical explanation. So Maya asks, so how is it being friends with psychic mediums? Do you ever feel weird that they know all your secrets? Okay, I was worried in the beginning that they would know all my deepest secrets or just know every awkward thought that was running through my head. But they've told me it's not like that. First of all, when they do medium readings, which means they're communicating with someone who's passed away, they say it's more like playing charades than talking on the phone. So when they read us, living people, psychically, that seems to be the same. It's just not that perfect, or there would be no more skepticism if they could know every single thought and past experience without boundaries about people. They also need to tune into us, and we need to give them permission when they give us psychic readings. So there seems to need to be some consent on our end before they just know everything about us. At times, they might know some things more than someone who is not psychic. I've noticed personally, they might know some weird, totally random information. For example, they might know the name of a first boyfriend or like sense that a certain time in our life was really hard. They might know a thing or two that is very specific, but it's not this constant boundaryless, violating, creepy level. I don't even think about it anymore when I hang out with them. And, you know, I have heard sometimes they'll know if something is happening at the moment where they might need to come help you. The way it seems to work seems to be pretty positive rather than violating and shaming and negative. And also, as my friendships have deepened and I've opened up more and more, it's not like whenever I began sharing the stuff that's more personal, they already knew it at all. So yeah, they might know some things, but there seems to be limits and boundaries and respect to how these abilities work. This is from Lara. Lara asks, have any mediums ever told you things that you said were wrong or no to and then later came true? Oh, I love that question. There are actually two things that really stand out that this happened with. Early on in my research, when I pretty much thought this was not true, a medium who has sadly passed away, who was certified by the Forever Family Foundation, Sandra O'Hara, told me, she said, who's Joe? Your dad keeps talking about Joe. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of any Joes that are an important person in my life, or I can't think of any Joes that I'm good friends with or dated or anything. And she said, well, Pay attention to the name Joe. Joe's going to be coming into your life and he's going to be very important to you. I was like, okay, you know, do I have to swipe right on every Joe now that I find on an app or, you know, what? So I since have met, you know, Joe Peretta. He's a medium. I've had him on other episodes and he's become one of my good friends and he's become 
key in my life and afterlife research. And we even did some experiments together. And he ended up actually getting reading himself with Sandra. And she made a really big difference in his life. So the other thing that stands out is I went to another medium and I said no to every single thing she said. She seemed honest. I don't think she was trying to cheat, but she just wasn't getting anything. She first described my dad and every single thing was wrong about him. He was kind of like what you'd imagine, almost like a cliche of a dad. And then after that, she started to tell me, again, this was very early in my research way before I would have ever considered writing a book, way before I found Forever Family Foundation and started volunteering. And she said, you know, I see you doing something with this work. And she's like, I see you're really going to be doing stuff with like mediumship. And then she paused and she's like, this is weird because I don't think you have any abilities. I was like, okay, that's like the one right thing she said so far. And then she said, I see you doing stuff with this in some really unique way. I see you speaking in front of groups of people and helping people with this work. And I basically scored that all as zero. I was like, I barely believe this. I think this stuff is all so weird and such bullshit. Like I'm getting some readings and taking a shot in the dark out of desperation and at least trying to look at this, but I'm not even going to tell anyone I went to a medium. So, you know, down the line, here it is. And while she was wrong about everything with my dad, she was so on point with everything with what the fuck just happened and my volunteer work with forever family foundation. And, you know, that's something I'll talk about in another episode, but it seems that maybe she was not a good medium, but was a good psychic. And maybe there's some, maybe she has just precognition, which means she can see the future. I mean, that's getting into a lot of speculation and hopefully stuff. There'll be more funding to study the differences like that at some point. If you have any questions you want answered in a future episode, email them to me at hello at wtfjusthappened.net. You can also request that I keep them anonymous. To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife and you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, 
Have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened. Thank you.